Today we are joined by someone with an amazing background and experience, as well as incredibly positive personality. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to introduce uh, Marvin as today's speaker. You're welcome to introduce uh, this audience to who you are, where you're from, and uh, what do you do? All right, great. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Marvin. I've been here in San Francisco about 21 years. So I did startups early in my career for a couple of years. I was an early employee at a startup that raised about $64 million. I ran online marketing for them, did that for about two years. Then I was executive at Yahoo for about 10 and a half years. So I traveled the globe for Yahoo, expanding their business. And then basically it took two years off and just angel invested and joined a bunch of boards as every boards and mentored a lot of different startup accelerators. Then about 2014, so I end up becoming a partner of 500 Startups, which is a early stage VC fund and accelerator program and started their San Francisco office and spent six years there and invested in over 414 pre-seed and seed stage startups. And I left 500 end of last year. And this year is kind of my sabbatical year. So I'm, you know, angel investing, advising a bunch of family offices, doing some executive coach work, and actually just goofing around and speaking at a lot of conferences. So um, yeah, so just this is my, um, what they call fallow year and just keeping busy, still helping a lot of my old portfolio companies and um, trying to be helpful to people. I think an, an amazing experience was, uh, was even an understatement after hearing all of uh, what you've done. <laughs> I just got lucky. I just got lucky. <laughs> but uh, did you always knew what you want to do? Well, there's obviously a lot of things that, uh, that you've done, but uh, did you have um, like a clear career path where you want to be headed when you were starting out? Yeah, I would say that not really. I, I'm probably the worst person to ask for like career advice. You know, I ended up in Silicon Valley very, very accidentally. It was one of those things where I lived in Asia in Europe for a couple of years. And then I was in Canada. And before I came to San Francisco, I was trying to decide like, okay, do I go to Boston? Do I go to New York? Do I go to San Francisco? And this was very accidental. A very good friend of mine just had recently moved to San Francisco. And she was like, hey, you should just come to San Francisco. You can crash with me. And I'm like, okay, that's easy, right? And so uh, that's how I ended up over here. And, and timing, like there's a huge element of luck, I think, in careers where I showed up and this was in 99, like January 99. So this is the first dot-com bubble. I mean, anybody could have gotten a job in tech during that time, right? Like I had no background as an English teacher. I washed out a bunch of like corporate jobs I wasn't very good at. And so just say, it's just one of those things. I just landed at the right spot and ended up in tech. And because like this, you know, even back in San Francisco in 99 was, wasn't really the tech town that it was now. Like there was a lot of other, it was really more of like an artist and, Sort of like just it was a very different place. Like tech had only been around in this town, like in San Francisco itself, for maybe a couple of years, versus down in in the South Bay. And so, you know, I just happened to get lucky, sort of joining around that time, and kind of got carried along. But I, I think one of the biggest things I didn't really have a path, but one of the things I think I did very very well was I. I just talked to a lot of different people and I kind of chased my interest. And so I didn't really have a career path in the sense of just like I wanted to, did I want to be in a startup? I wasn't sure. Did I want to join Yahoo or be a big company exec? No. Uh, did I want to be an investor? Not really. But it's just one of those things where just because I went around and met and talked to a lot of people and just sort of like just kind of went where my interest kind of pulled me. And, and, and I think you can get away with stuff like that when you are in places like a New York or San Francisco or London, where there's just a lot of activity. There's also this thing you mentioned, experience in corporate world and in startups. Uh, me and Ernest discussed that 
there might be a little uh, competition with corporates and startups. Do you think there is any, for example, that corporates are trying to get the best talent and startups maybe can offer something that they will never be able to offer? Yeah, I, I think that there has been a war for talent for a long time already, and, and that's probably going to get worse. But I, I do think over time, as you get to know yourself as an as employee or whatever, right, or as a person, the, the reality is that there's a level of self-selection because I think that people who tend to do very, very well in startups tend not to do very, very well in big companies and vice versa. Like just, And I've done all of them. And so just like I look back, where I'm like, I don't think I could ever work at a big company again. Um, and so just like I think you learn about yourself as you do this. And so there is a level of, I think, risk adversity when you, you know, like if you're really, really risk averse, you probably want to join a big company, right? Like generally speaking, sort of like you're, you prefer that, right? Versus a startup, which you're going to learn a lot, but it's also generally speaking a little bit more risky. And so I, I do think there's a self-selection over time as you get to, you know, as you evolve as a person. But I do think that, that there is a fight, at least for new employees, that's going to be a big fight for a long time. Another thing is that um, there are many different definitions of what is a startup. For example, I now work in a Latvian startup association and we kind of made this one definition where because we have to accept members, so we kind of have to have some ground rules. What sure. would you say, what is a startup? Yeah, you know, a startup is basically, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a big company. A startup is, you know, in search of a business model, in search of a product, in search of customers. And so it's a, it's a living experiment, right? It's a, you know, a startup is a business experiment and that's why so many of them don't make it, but it is also a great way and a great platform for people to learn a lot about something, right? Because it's just like you literally have to do a bunch of different things and you can't be a specialist as a startup. So 500 startups is, is a VC. How would you explain the activities or like the goals? What is a VC to someone who has not been in the industry? A VC is like, just for folks who don't know, it's like a venture capitalist. It's not Viet Cong. Um, it's venture capitalist. Yeah, when, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny. I never thought I'd end up being a VC because when I grew up, VC meant like Victor Charlie or Viet Cong, right? Like, so, um, and so VC is basically, you know, we get money from, from like rich families, from institutions to invest on their behalf and invest in early stage startups. And the idea is that, you know, as we make a lot of these investments, our job is to find the best startup founders and companies and invest in them and help them. And if we do a good job of this, you know, we will make money for investors and we will also make money. So that's, that's sort of what a VC does. Yeah, that's a great description. What do you say is the biggest difference between a VC, like for example, 500 startups and uh, some smaller VC in, in Latvia or, or any other smaller country? Yeah, 500 is a weird VC, right? The reason I think I found the place so attractive was really just like, it's not a standard venture capital fund, partly because of just how many deals that sort of like, that 500 actually did. I think when I left 500 end of last year, I think in a period of almost like nine years, 500 stars invested in over 2,400 companies, which is ridiculous. You know, most VC funds will invest maybe like 10 to 15 deals like a year. You know, when I was there, I was investing 60 to 70 a year, right? So it's just like on a whole nother scale. I'm not sure that's the right thing to do, but it was a great way to learn a lot. But we were also way earlier as, a, as an investor than a lot of traditional sort of like venture capital funds. I don't know one is better than the other. They're just like very different. They're very different animals. So you mentioned that you're also an investor. Is there any specific uh, qualities or characteristics that you as an investor are looking for in a startup or when you also choose it from 
from a VC perspective? Yeah, I, I would say there's there's no difference now, right? Because you know, I mentioned to you I was an angel investor prior, small angel investor prior to joining 500. I didn't know anything, right? Like, and I do think investing just takes time, takes numbers to sort of like to really learn how to do it well. And now, you know, fast forward 414 investments later on, you're like, you know, you've changed as a person and an investor. And so I, I'm looking for the same things that I look for even as a VC of 500 now, um, you know, like, is this a great founding team? Is this an interesting business? Is there an interesting sort of like market here? And, you know, do I think that th that this fits with sort of like a larger trend of something that's actually happening? And so I'm looking for the same things I look for, you know, as a, as a VC, right? Especially now that I'm both sort of managing a little bit of my own money and also just sort of, you know, investing on behalf of some like family offices as a, acting as a scout. I'm looking for the same things that I did as a VC before. Do you have maybe some tips uh, for startups, what they should do or what, what can they do to look more attractive in the eyes of an investor? Um, I think like the biggest thing is just like making sure you really know your customer, you know, sort of like who your customer is and what their biggest challenge is, you know, really have a good storyline, like in the sense of just like pitch is not the right word, but just like, why are you doing what you're doing? Who's the customer? why your solution is better for them, right? Like, and also how you're going to win in the long run and become a very big business. Like, it's, it's very surprising to me just how many startup founders don't actually have an answer. And, and I, I think for founders in general, I think it's good for them to understand whether they want to raise money or not. Like most businesses are not VC fundable. Like they're good businesses. They may not be VC scale, right? When I say VC scale, you know, like, can this be like over a billion dollar business? And most businesses are not, and that's actually okay. And so just like understanding sort of like what you want, you know, what you want to build, right? Do you want to build a venture scale business or do you not? Totally, totally okay not to build a venture scale business. You can make a great living doing that. I have lots of friends who live way better than I do with a non-venture scale business and, and with a much more enjoyable life than I have. And, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think just really understanding what you want in your life. I think that uh, also when we're speaking about startups and investors, uh, the tricky part or the difficult part is the very beginning, how to communicate with the investor, how to get their attention and uh, how to build a strong and uh, reliable, this kind of relationship. Uh, do you have uh, anything, any, any like tips or any experience or any stories that uh, you would share? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know, like here, here's the way I think about it, right? I, I think that any relationship that I get into, whether it's, it's sort of like, you know, for love or for business, like you really need to be thoughtful about it. And, and the way I think about it too, is this a two-way street, right? It's not like, how do you be attracted to an investor? I also think there's a huge element of just like understanding sort of like what type of investor you're like, you're looking for. And just like, just like looking for like the, you know, what kind of spouse you want, right? It's exactly the same thing of just like, you are trying to figure out if there's a good fit for, you know, are your goals aligned, right? Are your interests aligned? Do you share a lot of the same values? It's very similar in my opinion. And I think this is where you're starting to see this breakdown of just like a lot of founders are just trying to find like, I just want money, right? And I don't think that's a great way to sort of like look at an investor where it's like, it's just money. I, I do think like it's like a marriage. Um, and so you want to filter them just like they're filtering and evaluating you just sort of see if there's a match. And, and I think it's just not in, in making sure that sort of like, it's a partnership. I, I'm very, very clear about this is that when I invest in a startup founder, 
it's a partnership, right? Like I'm not their boss, but I'm also not their servant either, right? And vice versa. And I think too many founders and investors actually have the wrong mentality about this is that you are entering in partnership with the founder as an investor. You are not their boss. And if you go in and thinking that you're a boss, like that's not, that's just not going to work out for, well for either side. It's very important to just, I think, be transparent and just have clear goals and that align, you know, not, not to choose an investor that has completely different background or expertise that the startup actually is looking for, you know, just because they choose it from, for the money, not, not the interests. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, like I said, it's exactly like you're looking for a spouse because it's, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. Have you had any experience uh, with working with Latvian startups? I have. I've invested in, I think, four Latvian startups, four, five now, five Latvian startups. So I'm actually a huge fan. Are there anything specific that you have observed that's only like very specific to Latvian startups or there aren't anything like that? I mean, I I kind of throw Latvian startups very similar to a lot of like Central Eastern European startups, like great technical talent, not so great in sales and marketing. Um, but that stuff can be learned. And, and a lot of my companies have learned, um, have learned very well. How are the four startups that uh, you invest in? Are they doing good? Yeah, out of the <laughs> five, I'm sorry, it's five Latvian startups. And out of the five Latvian startups, one is doing very, very well, Printify. One is still emerging. Uh, one got acquired, you know, decent. Um, and I believe two of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Printify just uh, just opened their like they had their big party. They opened an office in Riga, so so they're doing quite well. Yeah, they're doing they're doing super well. They've been doing well for a while, so I, I'm very proud of that business. Yeah. So for someone who has uh, who's interested in uh, in VCs, investment startups, all that jazz, where would you suggest are the best resources or channels uh, to follow or to learn? Yeah. Great question. I think Medium is pretty good. You know, if you follow some writers on Medium, I also think that, you know, there's great investors that you can follow for free on Twitter, right? Between Twitter, between Medium, there's a lot of newsletters out there on investors. I have one too, right? So it's hardfork.substack.com. Um, so if anyone are interested, you know, I, I write a lot about the startup world and the VC world. And that's just for fun, right? Like it's not a business model, it's just for fun. Yeah, basically, just like I think there's a lot of people who follow on Twitter. There's a lot of newsletters on Substack, and there's a lot of like great write-ups on um, on Medium. And just do that, you you will you'll be ahead of almost anybody else. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna follow the newsletter. I didn't know you do one. I just started it in end of June, so just something I just started doing just for fun. You know, writing is actually a great way to you know, like to get your thoughts on paper and to help sharpen your thinking. And so I took a writing class back in like June, July, August, and that really changed my, and I just like, so I write uh, basically twice a week. So I, I do a post, you know, well, including sort of my, my sort of like newsletter of, of like articles I read, I do probably three write-ups a week. And that's, that's been really, really good because it helps you sharpen your thinking. You take it very seriously, like writing class and everything. Well, you know, I, I needed this my sabbatical year. So I just wanted to sort of like learn something new and different. And I recommend this writing class. It's not cheap, but it's called Rite of Passage, like W-R-I-T-E. And it's like your new superpower. I think anybody wants to have a thriving career, you know, in going forward, like I think you need to learn how to write on the internet. It's like a superpower and it helps you just like, even just for yourself, like let alone trying to build a business from it. Like I don't know if building a business from it is a way to, is a way to think about it. It's really more on just like, how do you actually sort of like 
build your body of work and to sharpen your thinking and maybe somebody will like it, right? Like, and maybe people will find it helpful. And so I get asked all the time, like, why are you doing this newsletter? And, and for me, I'm like, well, it's not for fame or anything like that. It's just like, I don't want to be famous. It's just really more and just like, this helps me really, really get a lot of my learnings and thinking on paper. And that also helps, you know, and potentially people hopefully will find it helpful or useful for themselves. Exactly. That's similar what we're doing with, uh, with this podcast. It's not for any kind of profit or anything like that to just for fun, actually. Yeah, fun. I mean, I just think so many times people do like, I do this because like, does it make money? I'm like, I don't think it's all about money, right? Like, it's, are you learning stuff? You know, are you, are you enjoying it? I feel like that's way more important. That, that's something, you know, chasing money. I, I don't know if that's always the right way to do it. And it's easy for somebody like me to say this, but like, you know, every time I, I've never tried to do stuff chasing money. I've always tried to do stuff where it's like, this is interesting or this could be fun or I might learn something from this. I, I think like that's way more important and that's just a better way to live, right? You're just going to enjoy your, you're just going to enjoy your life a lot more. Yeah, that's true. We actually talked about this uh, before the recording, but um, I have it uh, listed down as well. This year has obviously been difficult for a lot of people in Everybody. general, not, not speaking about any, any industry like or anything. How do you keep a positive mindset in a bad period of uh, business or life in general? Um, I mean, yeah, it, this year has been hard. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, you know, I, it, it could be a lot worse, right? Like, I think one of the things I think about sometimes when, you know, you have some, you have some rough days. So we've been, I've been in San Francisco, we've been locked down. So I went into lockdown March 1st, San Francisco officially went to lockdown, I think like March 15th or something like that. And so the reality is just like, we've been locked inside now for almost seven months. And it was hard, right? I think between this uh, the economic challenges, watching like a lot of small businesses go out of business and just a lot of suffering in general. Um, I think the most important thing is just like trying to have sort of like people you can talk with on a regular basis. So that's important. So I have a bunch of friends who all over the world that I talk with like every week, right? Like just, just to sort of, I talk to my family, try to sort of like try to do stuff that's fun every day um, and try to keep yourself in shape. Um, so making sure that you have a good routine of like exercise, uh, meditation, but I can tell you, like you know, it hasn't been easy. Even, even you know, like, like, look, I, I think back, of just like it could be a lot worse, right? I could be owning a restaurant. I could be sick. Like, it could be a lot worse. Like, I consider myself sort of incredibly lucky, but it's still challenging, right? Knowing sort of like the life that that we all used to have prior to March, like just it's, it's all different now. And so I do think there's some element of mourning you need to have. And, you know, I definitely in the first three to four months was really, really hard. And I think now we're also kind of getting used to this, right? Like every conversation you have now, yeah. like it wasn't until, so I, I was very lucky. I, I got to go to Georgia, the country like two weeks ago. So I, I just got back on Monday. So I was away for like about a week and a half. That was game changing for me, right? Just being able to go, go to a country that has very limited COVID cases, see something different, you know, go back to sort of a little bit of the travel world that I had. That was really, really helpful. I think if I did not have that, I think I'd be going nuts right now. Um, and so I, I do worry. I do worry about a lot of people who are, if you've been locked indoors for like five, six, seven months, like that's, um, I, I worry about the mental health crisis that's going to come out of this. Um, but what you have to do, meditation has been good. Exercise is really, really important. Trying to go outside and go for walks and try to get some like, you know, like sun um, is really, really important. Um, and eating well, right? Like just making sure you're taking care of yourself and, and also just like trying to have something to look forward to, right? Whether it's a small thing or it could be a chocolate bar, right? Like, you know, I, sometimes I save myself expensive chocolate bar a day or, or ice cream, 
or knowing that that this is not going to be forever and the year's almost over, right? Like understanding what you want to get out of this year. For me, I'm just like, as long as me, my family are healthy, we come out of this healthy, solvent, insane, like 2020 is almost over, right? And next year is a brand new year. You just have to make it through this year. And that, that's how I think about it. Victory is surviving this year, considering how bad it could be. I think that also a lot of people will um, appreciate the little things like, for example, traveling and, uh, and being able to just go outside in general, spend time with uh, your family and friends. Yeah. That's, I, that's something that I, I think in like this era when we had like a lot of influence from social media and what others are doing and everything like that, we kind of lost touch of that. But, uh, but now it's, it's more, I would say it's, uh, it looks more valuable or, or it feels more valuable. I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things that I, as well as a lot of other people took for granted that I just won't ever take for granted again. Right. Um, you know, I miss my, I miss my parents, right. My parents are in Canada, they're, they're older and they're, they're in the, the sort of like the threat range, right. Or just like, if you think about mm -hmm. people over 65, people who have like comorbidities of like, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, um, you know, that's something I worry a lot about. So that's one of the reasons sort of like, I was hoping to spend the summer with my family have not been able to see them. And so that to me is just like, I will never, ever take that for granted again, right? Taking for granted being able to just, I, I'll never take for granted traveling. You know, like I choose to travel every single month. Um, you know, the last 15, no, longer than that, I would say since 2003, like it's been almost 17 years of intensive travel. This is the first year where like, I've, I think I've done maybe four trips this year, right? Which is just like, it's mm -hmm. weird, right? Like, but yet I'll never take that for granted again, where before I'm like, oh, like I'll just get on a plane and go do this. It's not that easy anymore. Uh, and so I will treasure that again. And, you know, family, treasuring family, treasuring, just being able to go to the grocery store, treasuring, you know, without making a big deal out of it, you know, treasuring, being able to go to the mall, right? Or just like do regular things and not have to wear a mask and things like that. Um, you, know, you know, because we've had the forest fires here in, in California, treasuring fresh air, right? Or just like never take that, that for granted. And so a lot of basic things, I think that it forces you to reevaluate what's really important in your life. And sometimes you lose track of that. And I, I will admit, I, I, I did lose track of that, I think, beginning this year. And this year's kind of wake-up call. So hopefully we'll, we'll be coming out of this, we'll be smarter and stronger and wiser. Yes, definitely. Well, I have, uh, I have my final question, but I'm very interested in this because uh, I've asked this, I think, everyone who I've, uh, I've talked to on the podcasts. And uh, it's very broad, okay. uh, but it's... Uh, I'm curious. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's what's the one most valuable experience that you've learned in life in general? Huh. Let's see. What is the most valuable <laughs> thing I've learned life in general? Huh. I guess it's probably two things. Uh, and, and the two things I, I've really come to value the, the most now, learning, right? Books and learning. I just, I love books and learning. They'll always be there. They're going to be your best friend. And second thing is just like um, family, you know, they're always going to be there for you. And, and this is something that I admit both, you know, immediately like my wife and child, parents, you know, my relatives, I like just like, I, I kind of took that for granted. And I, I just like, I think the, this crisis, the pandemic kind of made me sort of like realize I was like, wow, like I have, you know, like, you know, they, they gave up everything for me. And just like, I, I the, all that's important is that they're happy and that I actually try to spend more time with them. And that's probably the most important thing. Um, because like friends come and go, but family you're always going to have. And, and that seems really obvious, but like, you know, I, I feel like sort of crisis is kind of, kind of wake you up to this stuff. And so, I don't know, that's, that's, that's sort of, I came to that conclusion this year. That's nice to hear. 
So you mentioned that uh, where we can uh, follow your newsletter. Is there any other outlet that, uh, that you would like to share where people can uh, know more about you or follow you? You do quite a lot of uh, posts on social media, as I see. Yeah, um, you know, Twitter. So I'm, I'm at Marvin Liel, M-A-R-V-I-N-L-I-A-O. Um, I have a website, MarvinLiel.com, or just like, you know, my, my um, newsletter, if you're, if you're interested in learning more about what's happening in Silicon Valley, it's hardfork, H-A-R-D-F-O-R-K.substack.com. Um, and so, yeah, those, those are probably the main avenues. Great. Thank you very much today for, for joining me, for explaining to me and to all of the people that are listening what is a VC, a startup, and, uh, and getting to know more about everything. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you very much for having me.